0: The birthday, boys. Oh, yes, it's the birthday, boys. We're shitting in our diapers because we're only two years old. It's the birthday, <laughs> boys. <laughs> Yikes.
1: <laughs> happy birthday. Uh, I
0: happy, guess. <laughs> happy birthday to you, too, Cleveland. Happy birthday to all of us.
2: Yay! Because
0: against all odds, we've been doing this thing for two years. Well, one year for Cleveland, but you started pretty much right after our birthday
2: episode last year. That's right. Went from regular guest to full-time featured player. Yeah, now I'm running this shit.
0: Full-time host. We are the pod people, and I'm Matisse Van Rossum. Or am I?
1: Well, I'm the uh, communist agenda, Ben Sheets. Nice. (laughs) And I'm uh, Cleveland Mosier, and I'm not mad, I swear! Well, on the subject of madness,
0: our birthday bash is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And tonight we're talking about the 1956 version based on the magazine serials, I believe. Uh, I think there were maybe a comic strip or something. I I did see that it was based on some sort of uh, written publication. Based on the actual Cold War? (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that in just a minute. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) The film is directed by Don Siegel, uh, director of other classics such as Dirty Harry and Escape from Alcatraz, big uh, Eastwood collaborator. The film stars Kevin McCarthy, Dana Winter, Larry Gates, and King Donovan. What a name.
1: So, Tease, why did we pick this movie for the anniversary episode? Because
0: it's where we get our name from. What? It's a movie about pod people. It is? How? I'm getting to that. Cool. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. <laughs> the film is about a small-town doctor who learns that the population of his community is being replaced by emotionless alien duplicates, i.e. the pod people, because hey. they come out of big old seed pods. Wait a minute. People from pods? That's right. I don't get it. You will by the end of the episode. Cool. Let's set the stage for this film. It's 1956. World War II has been over for 11 years.
1: Hey, I get it!
0: (laughs) But but a different kind of war is beginning. A Cold War. The Cold War, even. This film is basically the quintessential anti-communist film. Oh yeah, it is all
1: up in some zeitgeist.
0: We've talked about it a lot on the show. A great way to analyze what people were afraid of at any specific point in history, is to watch their horror films. And this film preys on the fear of the Reds living amongst us. They could be anybody, your neighbor, your wife, even your two-year-old son could be a communist. Yeah, you just don't know. And you'd never know, because they look like you, and they talk like you. But- they're kind of dead behind the eyes.
2: They? <laughs> they have no emotion. <laughs> they, have yeah. no,
0: they have no emotions. They strive for uniformity in all things. Yeah, Thing, things like love, beating your wife, sleeping with your secretary, drinking martinis—none of that. You know, no communism. No, they're Still not even gas people. in the basement. Since everybody was afraid that their best friend might be working for Stalin. <laughs> It makes sense that they would make a horror film about a mysterious alien threat that is insidiously planting itself in a community and growing and flourishing and replacing all of the normal people with emotionless, boring, communist aliens.
1: Yep. And if Tolkien's orcs and the zombie fads has gone on to well established. People love an other in their pop culture.
0: They certainly do. I mean, especially in horror. Horror is just about always the fear of the other. Until we get into the 60s where it sort of turns inward and it becomes about the fear of the monsters living among us. Which this film is actually an excellent precursor to. To sort of like the serial killer pop of the 60s.
2: Here's an interesting thing. I definitely see this movie as very influenced by... The Cold War. However, I do want to unpack that a little bit because I think this movie definitely plays into Cold War paranoia. I don't know if I would necessarily call this movie anti-communist in the sense that it has no overt
0: anti-communist propaganda. They never say the word communist. Joking aside,
2: it's not about the communists. Because it's very it, metaphorical, and I think I think yeah, it's it's a know, metaphor. Definitely in the times, it was supposed to be about the communists. Well, it was it was you know, praying, it, it was it, on it was the fears pre- of yeah the, the communists. fear yeah. of the red scare. Exactly. That was so active. And a big part of Hollywood at this time. Well, yeah, with With McCarthyism and the the blacklist, you know, nowadays, I would extrapolate this idea more to kind of being about conformity and the fear of losing your individualism.
1: Well, I think I think that that fear kind of goes hand in hand with like the general fear of communism.
2: Oh, absolutely. uh, You know,
1: it's it's like like the the aliens operate like as a collective.
0: I think what Ben is is saying is that in the modern era where fear of communism is not really a thing anymore, like you have some old boomers who are still scared of communism. (laughs) But like, it's not really a fear anymore. You know, we're out of the Cold War. Nobody's worried about nations becoming communists and rising up against the United States.
1: I mean, maybe you're not, but uh, my bunker says otherwise. (laughs) <laughs> if I'm wrong, then I'll come to you. Oh, no, I'll be well shot no. at that point. Build your own fucking bunker.
0: Damn, fair enough. <laughs> but today, when, when the fear of communism is not really relatable anymore, the film is still relevant because... For the people of the decade, communism was synonymous with conformity and lack of individuality. So the themes ultimately transcend what they came from, and I think the film is still relevant. Oh, absolutely!
1: No, I'll I'll give you that. Like that is sort of the beauty of *An Other* or any of your just like open-ended analogs is that as the times change, uh, its its commentary might change, but it can adapt. To it, like any any good classic should be capable of not necessarily dating itself. Now it can be like a, you have know, a period piece that doesn't date itself, but
0: right, a successful film will always be good. It doesn't matter how old it is or when you watch it. That's the sign of a bad film is a film that dates itself so severely that it will have no context in the future. Yeah, the at, emo- at that point, it's only saving grace. Like the it's Emoji charm. Movie.
2: <laughs> what I mean, movie? there's there's plenty of. <laughs> Movies of this era of the 50s that do not age well, you know, that are more explicitly anti-communist sure. that just don't work. Um, One of my favorite examples of this, this movie is even still well regarded by most today, so this might just be a contrarian take on my end. But On the Waterfront is considered a classic. But if you look at the subtext of it, it's about, like, snitching on your fellow man and busting unions, like... It does not work thematically today.
0: It probably depends on your politics. True, true, I agree with you. That's the kind of rhetoric that I don't want in my films, but I think there's plenty of people who are right. absolutely. Yeah. It's like, absolutely... It's like,
1: I would like to believe that, like, the Fountainhead is irrelevant now, but there's plenty of people who disagree.
0: Here's a universal example. Birth of a nation thank you
1: good, <laughs> good call or uh, yeah and, and again once again God I hope universal <laughs>
0: <laughs> much more widespread I think yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, well
1: that's a better example un- unfortunately yeah well well said I, uh, yeah that film is uh, pretty pretty universally uh, dead yes. And as it should be. I don't think I'm making a big political statement by saying
0: that. (laughs) No, I don't think that's a hot take. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wait, I shouldn't be praised for saying Birth of a Nation is a bad film. Where are my applause?
0: I I mean, D.W. Griffith felt so bad about it that he made Intolerance right after, which is an even longer film about how being racist is not cool.
1: Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) I think the damage is done at that point. It it has people in
2: yellow face through most of it. Oh (laughs) no, it does. But
1: for but
2: back in those days, people didn't think that was
0: racist. (laughs) No, no, exactly.
1: (laughs) Doesn't make it not racist. (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) Wow, we've diverged uh, drastically. Um, Worthwhile, I think. Let's let's get into the meat of this film a little bit. I want to talk about the style because I think. Stylistically, it's very much a noir film.
1: Yes, visually.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. Considering the subject matter too, I think it fits. You gotta have all these deep shadows and moodiness, and there's a mystery to be uncovered and illuminated. And well, this, so this much mysterious just, threat hiding well, in the
1: dark. On top of that, too, uh, from a writing perspective, we have the absolute gift that our protagonist is a doctor. I loved that. I wasn't expecting that going into this film. I was expecting him to be sort of an everyman. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have someone who is trained in deductive reasoning who isn't just a fucking detective is great. I always gush over like the use of like scientists and doctors as protagonists in films. You just usually glean a little bit more.
0: It's a big trend of science fiction horror. The protagonist often is a man of science <laughs> for that yeah. for that very reason and I agree with you. I think it works great especially because as as like the doctor in this small California town, part of his job is that he knows these people, oh yeah, it's like perfect. they're familiar to him? the idea is that like the the pod people are indistinguishable from real people, except there's like a lack of true feeling that you can kind of tell in interacting with them, so you wouldn't know the difference if you didn't if they weren't people that you knew, so having him be the town doctor who knows everybody he's more keyed into unraveling the mystery. That being said, he is a very annoying skeptic for a long time in the movie. Yeah,
1: like fortunately he is regretful. Of that in yes. his in his monologue, and that's yes. a say. I see that as a saving grace. Well, I uh, that, mean, that's that's part was, of the as, fun was, of any was, horror. As a
2: scientist or doctor, you know, he's a he's supposed to be a he's trying to be reason, skeptical. You know, yeah. like that's a character I would expect to be more skeptical than others. Oh you know, yeah, than any, like, the everyman,
0: I think it's um, I think it's fine for the purpose of the story. That being said, it, it does get a little bit tiresome when all of these characters who are pretty much exclusive women for the first part of the film are coming to him and being like hey somebody you know my my uncle or so and so is not them you know it's not they're not who they say they are Is like ah you're just hysterical mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there's, there's well, a little bit that, that's a little also bit too much of that one of the but, really great
1: things uh and it's a wonderful like time capsule piece of commentary on how doctors were kind of also therapists in the nineteen fifties. You well, also how they had women, you know well, like, no, no, no. and well that, that goes hand in hand with that. Like the doctors times? like like people people saw like therapists and shrinks as kind of scandalous. Like you you didn't you didn't seek out mental help. You went to your doctor about it casually. In particular like that was, you know, like a huge problem with like housewives and such, hence like mother's little helper and, yeah. and whatnot. And uh, no, I, I love that. That kind of crops up as a theme in this film. Like, and there's there's commentary on that. Yeah, and it's cool. Sure. It's very relevant.
0: No, no, no. I I like that because he does play the the role of therapist for a lot of people in in the town. Yeah, as doctors did. Uh, then my my point is how how many times also does he sedate a hysterical woman well, in this movie? Well, no. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Again, that's the
1: commentary. Is he he's playing therapist for this down? But that's not his job. Like, and that that shouldn't have been the doctor's job. Job, which is why well, he does mean, a poor job time, of it. At the time
2: in the culture, it was their job.
1: I know, know? And, and they did a terrible <laughs> job of it. <laughs> like that's yeah, I agree with you fully. Like he does, he he does it horribly because they did.
0: <laughs> but I agree with you having his his voiceover narration being regretful for being sort of blind to the threat does help that
1: a lot. Well, it's it's such a, a classic like way to to frame and to to set up like a foreboding tension. I mean, like you see it in in all like hallmarks of horror, yeah, like Stephen yeah, King. Yeah. Yeah, does it's, it a lot. it's
2: a classic of dramatic irony where the viewer knows more than the characters yeah. right off well, the bat. And, well, just know? also that
1: like the narrator has a sense of regret and they use that expression to foreshadow what's coming and to say like, oh, you know, if if only I had known, then that horrible night wouldn't happen. Ooh, what horrible night are they talking about?
2: Yeah, now I'm intrigued. dramatic irony that mm-hmm. makes it work, which is exactly what you're talking about. Going off that as well. The whole structure of the film, the script especially, is very economical. Um, there's not much fat on the bone at all. Mm-hmm. It's a brisk eighty minutes. It definitely is all plot. Yeah, um, it feels
0: it feels well paced.
2: You know, it I, doesn't
0: start too fast. All the it fat's start, been tri- You know, start subtly, I think having having boring, him as yeah. a
2: doctor who knows all the town helps too, because you have less concern with it. You know, introducing characters and stuff yeah. like that, especially character relations, because he already has established relationships with most of the right. the main cast of characters. I do think this movie is almost too economic in that I almost feel like it needs a bit more time to breathe at times. Um, Because it's so point to point Mm -hmm. that uh, you kind of lose a little bit of the horror. You don't really get to see the effects of this on the, the characters as much.
0: Once they find the body of his friend Jack, uh, the pod person that is uh, sort of incomplete, once they hit that moment, it picks up pretty fast and keeps it like a gallop for for pretty much the rest of the movie. Yeah,
2: the rest of the movie is excellent plot point to plot point. It's excellently structured Mm -hmm. and paced.
0: What I would have liked to see a little bit more of in the beginning that I think uh, uh, sort of goes into what you were saying is I think it would have been nice to have him interact with a couple of more people that were a little bit off for us to see that a little bit, but for him to, you know, brush it off too, rather than just like people coming to him and being like, you know, so-and-so is is not them, is like, well, I, I talk to them and they're fine. I think I would, I would have liked to see a little bit more of people behaving in a way that sort of keys us off that something is wrong, even if he
1: himself ignores it. I, I think the problem with that is we already have an issue with the protagonist sort of brushing things off for too long uh i think you brought that up earlier and i i feel like we'd like the protagonist less i think we'd, would we'd make, him, make him you think it would make him seem more stupid correct
2: though i think I you could know. do that in other ways just give a little more to the audience without giving it to him specifically
0: the struggle with that is that he's the narrator so we wouldn't really be seeing things that he wouldn't
2: but you know like even if we saw like Parts of the pods going about, yeah, you know, yeah, like, something like oh, that. I don't know, yeah. I, no, I
0: think that would be cool. Like, if he was going downtown and saw like something strange in the back of a truck, but, yeah, but like, didn't, doesn't it, think anything yeah, about it, it's not a big deal like, we unless, see some it, pods. unless it
2: has context, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, I, I taking guess. some of the context out and foreshadowing that might right. have worked,
0: yeah. Um, so then there's the realization later, it's like, oh, fuck, I saw these earlier, they're moving yeah. these around. Well,
2: one of the most most interesting things about the production of this film is originally it was supposed to have a way bigger budget if i remember correctly it was supposed to have like 6 or 7 times the budget it had wow really you know it was done on like half a million dollar budget the shoot time was cut down to like i want to say like 4 or 5 days it definitely you don't forced fe- them you to don't be feel it. Yeah, more economical with what they shoot, and it probably limited some of what they wanted to do, but mostly I think that works to its advantage I in mean, this film. I mean,
0: under those constraints, like you wouldn't think that from watching the film. It doesn't feel rushed. Like you said, there's very little fat on it, and there 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 are places where it could breathe a little bit more. But I think that the well, honestly, the I,
2: film itself is is very tight. I, I think those limitations force them to be more subtle in a lot of ways. I wonder if it was a bigger budget, it would have been less subtle with some of the if they the pods, some, some crazy. You know, stuff. Because we get yeah. we get that awesome sequence of the pods. Forming humans, God, in the yeah, So yeah, that's just like great. one little sequence. War. And like, I'm glad that it wasn't more in the film. To be honest, no, I think that's, you're right.
1: That's what I was exactly where where I was uh, hoping we'd had. I actually, if I if I wanted anything differently from this movie, it would probably be seeing the pods themselves less. During the film, not the sequence where they come out of the pods. I think that's that's quite good. But as a prop, I had kind of a problem with the okay, pods. They're I, rough.
2: I actually kind of disagree. I, I think they're pretty decent for their time. And I what think they. Lo- I think
0: they look good. The problem is.
1: There's For, no weight
0: to them, an exact, yeah, and they they throw them around
1: like inflatable footballs, they and it really yeah, makes them feel artificial. That's,
0: that's exactly what I was gonna uh, say. They don't they feel, handle
1: them really horribly. They feel
0: super lightweight, like they it doesn't feel like they actually have any mass to yeah, them. They
1: feel like props. It's problematic, and also just I feel like the way that they're like just carting them around, like in the trucks and whatnot, like which I I do like, but I, I love. I wish I wish, yeah, I I wish we'd seen the them handle them with like more care and maybe like just, just see them just a little bit less so that they, there's like almost like an idolatry like when it comes to the pods. Nah,
0: I like I like seeing I, them because...
1: It it, I think it like just the mystery would have made it spookier. It's like seeing the monster.
2: I, I, I disagree. No, yeah, I, in I this actually, case, I disagree. I actually like the directness in this film because you know the threat and the threat is not necessarily the pods but it's the people that come out of them. Right. And, and you don't you don't You really... know they're just a vessel for the the horror of the doppelganger people in the movie already. And you, you barely
0: you barely see them at all until the greenhouse scene where we do see them forming the doppelgangers. And at that and that scene is great and at that point oh, yeah. there's your monster, you've shown your monster. So, at that point, why hold back? I wouldn't see the point of going back to the subtlety after that moment. And it is subtle until then... Plus, seeing them in in the trucks and all over town is really like the moment of revelation where they realize that this the isn't, scale that it isn't yeah. just like a self contained thing that's happened to a couple of people. That at that point, the entire town is pretty much already taken over, and I don't think you would have that kind of realization if you didn't just like see them the pods everywhere at that. Well, point. and the directness so perfect.
2: Perfectly follows up with like the call that he makes to try to get the governor and right. everyone else because he tries all the, to call fu- the FBI and the phone lines, yeah all yeah, the phone lines are full and what that implies to me is that like this isn't just in his town.
0: Well, I mean, by the end, we do know that it hasn't spread out of his town yet. I think what the phone lines imply is that the operator in his town, town is a person. Oh, yeah, person that's a good point. And that she is pretending that the lines mm-hmm. are – or that nobody is answering. But she's really just not connected. Because we do get she the exposition
1: went, that they've landed in that town. So yes. we can yeah. – yeah, we can deduct that, you know, like they're, they're only just beginning to yeah, spread. exactly. And that, that there is still hope. And, which is why, like the the end credits music is is still generally uplifting, if I remember. Oh no, I don't no. think it's uplifting. At oh, okay, all. cut that out then. Sorry. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's the the music is not particularly grim, but the ending is certainly grim
2: because
0: yeah, the, yeah. the realization that they are leave they're being they're on the highway, they're being shipped out
2: of mm-hmm. the town.
1: But it's not like all is not lost. The threat is still out well, there but I mean
2: like it's it's much like a thing ending yeah. in that it's very ambiguous. You don't get to see the outcome, but the outcome is very much left to the imagination. It's, it's, yeah. op, it's optimistic. That, that is not a, a positive ending, though. It's, it's
0: optimistic compared to a lot of the bleak endings we get in horror now, but for the 50s, I think that's still a pretty bleak ending. You're right. It's not Hope is not necessarily lost because the, the doctor who he's been talking to the whole time says, like, get everybody on the phone, call the army and the FBI and and the President and all the and all the police we gotta <laughs> we gotta shut everything down, and then it g- cuts over to the protagonist, and like we see him like wringing his hair. I guess the people are aware of the threat now, but it's not to say that they necessarily have a fighting chance
2: yeah yeah i I like the ambiguity of it. who knows if that can actually stop them you know we right. we, see... we don't know we don't know how
0: far they've already spread by that point because we see the truck full of them on the highway. Before he gets picked up. So, like, who knows how many other trucks have been sent out to other towns, whether they've made it. It's the start of the invasion, but, like, it feels like it, it probably is already too late. Well, and Especially the,
2: if you can't you tell. Can't the thing tell. is, you like, on top of that... You don't that, know who's a fucking commie! Yeah, well, and the thing is, on top of that, <laughs> Sleeper like, agents! <laughs> this was all said in the 50s, you know? Like, it's easier to think, oh, yeah, with the speed or you know, society runs today, yeah. like... could easily stop it with a few phone calls in the 50s like it takes a much longer time and a much more coordinated effort no answering no answering machines much more grim and ambiguous than you know if it was set in today's time I'm well, with that. that that's the thing is, I think
0: as many times as this movie has been remade, what is so quintessentially of the era about it is the threat is very particularly bad for the time period, like you said, because you don't have technology, you don't have the benefit of instant communication and like mobilizing every everybody from all angles. Like it's a much more insidious threat. It's
1: true, and also we know for a fact that that entire time. Tent- is lost
0: yeah for sure like the, his the, his
1: hometown is is gone he,
0: yeah he is the last mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we we for sure see that by the end yeah. he and his girlfriend are the last until she succumbs as well and that's a good segue into something that i don't know if maybe i missed and if the K, if that's the case you guys can clarify for me when his girlfriend becomes a pod oh man end, i had the same th- i was gonna ask seems, the same thing it seems to break its rules right yes i I, was, I, I? God, I was going to ask I, this. This I was, is like was the one note that I was that. bringing because to this. like, the The whole thing is that the pods form while you sleep, and they don't grow if you're awake, and eventually they take your mind, and then your body is disposed of. And then we never
1: see what happens to the bodies is great. Right, I love that. We never
0: never know what happens. But by the end of the movie, it seems as though if you just fall asleep... Near a pod? Then you just wake up and you're a pod person and you're all emotionless and evil now. Because, like, there are no pods near them when he leaves her in the mine and she falls asleep while he goes out and scouts. Like, he comes back to her... And all of a sudden, she's a pod person. And I'm, that I thought was a little confusing. Did I miss something?
2: No, not really. the The way I read it, and maybe this is just forgiving a plot hole a little bit, is that the doppelgangers were a little more onto them than they thought. That she was replaced a while ago. Either that or they knew where she was. When some of them were running through the mine, they left some pods. Like there were people
1: like in, you know, like in the back of the crowd carrying pods and they were like Johnny Appleseeding them.
2: And and part of the turning on the radio to get him away Uh uh-huh may have been a coordinated effort that could have been a trap yeah yeah to to lure him
0: away Mm -hmm. so they could sneak in and play so
1: good i'm glad i'm glad that can be excused away because i I was gonna ask the exact same thing and yeah because the thing that got me about it is like how long would you say he's away for
0: it seems like only a couple of minutes that's, but it's that's probably the part. it's probably longer. It's yeah, probably supposed if, to be longer. If we'd
1: been made to feel like he had been away for just a little bit longer, and there would have been enough time for a bait and switch, you know, with her, because right. yeah, we get the vibe, like yeah, because I had like that he same goes Outside
0: and comes back. He, in yeah, he walks outside,
1: sees them yeah. shipping him. He's like, oh fuck. And yeah, you get the assumption that yeah, they've broken their own rules, and that she's just fallen asleep and become a pod person. Not that she's right. fallen asleep and been, re- and been her, her, her actual physical body has been uh, I, replaced. I would
2: agree to extent. I I do like that you don't have to be, like, asleep for hours. Like, you don't have to hit fucking REM sleep to have these things overtake you, you know? Like, part of the fear of not falling asleep is very effective because, you know, you can only stay up for so long. It's that Nightmare on Elm Street type of thing, you know? Like, eventually, you're either... You have to You have to go to sleep or you're just going to fall asleep, you know? I
0: I also wonder... Too, because we see before earlier in the movie that there's an almost finished doppelganger of her already. That's, that's very true. In the true. basement, that's been growing while she sleeps. I think it is supposed to take a long time but it disappears so we can assume that the doppelganger of her father who's the one who put it there moved it so i'm wondering if once a pod has started to form it's sort of like psychically latched on to you if it doesn't matter how far away you are yeah still there that connection is still there so maybe at that point her just falling asleep for a couple of minutes was enough to finish it off and then the the replica came in and and Got rid of her body once again. That relies on him being gone for a while, which I think is supposed to be the implication, but the editing does not do a good job of conveying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that we've been able to rationalize it into a way that makes no. Sense. I think that makes it that makes for a saving I, grace. I do. I do think that the way it's presented in the movie is a little bit sloppy because yeah, I. Yeah. It definitely did give me that moment. Like, wait, what? What mm-hmm. happened? Yeah. Like, when did she become a, a pod person? Yeah,
1: I think it's neat because like while picking that idea. Apart, we also sort of better establish like how kind of perfectly ambiguous the rules are for for as much as is explained to us. There's still a great deal there sort of left under. I like don't understand that that shouldn't be explained. I like
0: that as well because I I, yes, I think that. Ambiguity is good as long as you don't break the few rules that you've established.
1: Yes. That's the issue. Yeah. Agreed.
2: I definitely think we're being a little forgiving with some of the the plot elements, you know, but I think it works. It's easy to. It's a good movie. And the thing is, it's so ambiguous with that stuff, and it's effective because of the ambiguity in a lot of respects, because, you know, you can never truly tell who's a pod person and who's not. And if we knew, oh, hey, if they did this and this, they would become a pod person. I do. I do like... I I, don't know. I do like that he discovers that she's a
0: pod person by kissing her and he can tell from her kiss that there's no
1: emotion and that cinematography it. is great in that sequence.
0: I agree. That being said, from a motivation standpoint, I think it's a little bit iffy because that happens when they are actively running from, from We're we're time for a makeout. Right. Well yeah, they're running and yeah. they they stumble and fall into the mud like while they're fleeing and then he just starts like kissing her neck. And it's like that's not the time for this. Mm-hmm. It's
1: well they're, at the time. they're they're a little like you know they've, they've been popping some some miscellaneous uppers and and whatnot probably, at that point yeah, probably like, st-
0: they've probably been doing meth for a couple of days yeah like what yeah. realistically some, uh, some
1: variety of amphetamine for sure
0: well yeah and they haven't slept and so they're not necessarily thinking straight but it is a little weird in the moment weird. <laughs> but the to, for that to be the revelation is is nice I'm always a little bit wary of romance plot lines in movies from this era because they're usually just kind of skeezy. Oh yeah. Uh, and there is a little bit of that cultural misogyny of, of the fifties. It's but it's oh, relatively yeah, it's relatively light in this movie. Yeah. And and I think that the the romance plot line is necessary in this film because it's supposed to represent what they're fighting for, why they don't want to become pod people. Cause the when the part where they're captured in his office and the doppelgangers of his friends are telling him, like, like it's better. You're not gonna have any problems. Like you just fall asleep and then like everything's better. We're all one, you know? And it sounds pretty nice, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah, and in, in twenty nineteen, like uh I know like, that sounds well, pretty that, I was like, the premise essentially yeah. it's like, wait, you mean you don't have to feel anymore? Oh, sign me the oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, up. I'll just I'll just become
0: part of a uniform. No collective. anxiety. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I know. in. <laughs> I know. Sign me
1: up. You, you mean like everyone is actually going to like act with a sense of awareness of each a other? Functioning society and, and people won't be mad. Like, yeah. Imagine all the people, fam. This is what living John in the Linden world today. Let's about. let's do it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm in, here. <laughs>
0: bring in the pod people. Let's yeah. start the movement. But th- her whole thing is like, I would rather die because I don't want to live in a world where there's no love and
1: there's no joy you know if you were gonna modernize this movie i think that would it has been for, done. well okay again if you're gonna uh, yeah at some point we'll have to watch but we're watching one of them on the next we're episode, watching yeah, one yeah, of yeah, yeah. Watching there's one like four of, the four three of them remakes. right of yeah. Three? yeah i think it would be a fun play on it to just have like a lot of people just kind of want to sign up <laughs> Like, because like, yeah, you could you could stop it like with social media from spreading, but if people want it to spread, like, kind of changes the whole the whole game. I don't know. I,
0: yeah, that's I don't been, know because, because <laughs> like that's been done in in alien invasion movies where well, there's people who work with the aliens because they think it's better, and they're usually portrayed as as evil. Oh yeah, and pre- they
1: inevitably get like ripped apart at the end. Of right. course. Of yeah. Course. Well,
2: and the thing about it too is like your brain may get trans but your consciousness may not
1: it's true you're there's there are, the, the the odds are high that you're not on the other side when the coin flips that
0: idea has been already somewhat modernized with technology and like the idea of uploading your consciousness to a computer oh yeah shout like, out to
1: uh the game selma on that that's one of the best examples of is that I've it seen.
0: Really uploading your consciousness, or is it just creating a copy of your consciousness, and that you, the consciousness occupying your body, will actually die? Like, right, that's exactly. Kind of that's defeats, the coin flip that premise. That defeats the purpose, like, I, right?
1: Like, I love the, f- I love that so much. Yeah, and again, like that's another great example of of how this concept, like the this specific film, can be recontextualized, you know, today into something that's still quite terrifying. you could,
0: you could modernize it in such a way that it's not even like an alien threat it's people being uploaded into into androids oh sure yeah if th- yeah.
2: th- the same effect I, th- I think part of the reason it works though is because you're so unsure of like the rules of stuff right where like with androids where you would have that to an extent it would be a little trickier just because, it all depends on how much you would explain in the yeah, film. I yeah. think overall... Mm-hmm. But
1: like there are plenty of films that have also done that yeah, with like yeah. downloading your consciousness I, I and whatnot agree, that are terrible I you know movies. that
2: like this concept is very timeless. Yeah, totally. You know, because at its core, it's about what is the self and the individual versus the collective yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think that... Works regardless of the time period And mm-hmm. you know it's funny We didn't have a remake of this Wholesale this decade Or in the 80s But we had one in the 70s well, The 90s and the 2000s I would say I would say That the, the first remake
0: that we're going to talk about Next week you could consider a film Of either the 70s or the 80s Or both Because it came out in 79 and, So it's like right on the cusp
1: And like true, the premise true. of the thing Like John Carpenter's The Thing is pretty close it's a doppelganger well, like it,
0: that's based on a film that came out before this based on a book or a novella that came out before that right also so, my 50s. point being like we we check got out our thing something episode. yeah check out our our birthday anniversary episode from last year in which we discussed the thing and the thing and the thing from another world
1: <laughs> yeah yeah Wish I'd been there for that one. Thing I, from I, love that. I love The Thing so much. That's Definitely,
0: one of my favorite films uh, of all time. Yeah, The Thing from Another
1: World not, not very
0: um, good, but... No.
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I, I think you have kind of a good point there because conceptually they're similar. Oh yeah, just the the premise of like the coin flip. I definitely think in some ways Carpenter was inspired by this film. For sure, but it's sort of a theme that you
0: see in stories just like throughout time as well, the idea of doppelgangers. And I think that as humans, which are, we're sort of inherently pack animals, there's I think sort of a uh a subconscious like lizard brain fear about not being able to trust members of your own pack that they might be a threat in disguise. So that's why you see throughout history, and especially throughout film history, this same kind of story being retold so many times. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Thing, but even stuff like about serial killers not being able to trust your neighbor. If I can
2: use this uh, review to plug another movie... (laughs) I do have to recommend people go out and watch the movie Seconds. I see it as kind of a sister film to this. Um, It's all about about a guy who gets in a terrible accident and his brain is put in another person's body. And so he gets to experience the life of another. It's kind of the idea of what is the self. Oh, it's like RoboCop. You know, it's very simple. It is. It's like um, RoboCop. Except except (laughs) a, a flesh robot. So, like, aren't we all just flesh robots? Exactly. I think this movie, a lot of its shortcomings are negated just because conceptually it works so well. Absolutely. We've mentioned a few of its problems. But overall,
0: they're not terrible in the grand scheme of things. I still think that the good things in the movie far outweigh my few gripes with it. The script is, like, really tight. It's paced really well. Stylistically, it's awesome. The effects are hit or miss. Like you said, Cleve, I wish the pods had some more weight to them when they were carrying around so they're not tossing them around like balloons. That being said, the greenhouse scene when the pods are, like, forming new people... The effects in that scene are dope.
1: There's like one one bad shot of the protagonist where like he just looks like a puppet, mannequin. Yeah. But you know what is really great? The bubbles. Yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. dissipating and seeing like the wife's face. The foam, yeah. Like the... oh, great. Just great because you, you it's so abstract at first and you can't make out what it is and then as it the adds... bubbles pop, you can just as the foam dissipates, you just you start to see and, and I you, think you part realize of that there's a face there. Also, and, oh, you know, a
2: result of budgetary limitations. In the positive, too, because I think yeah. they could have made mm-hmm. it much more elaborate. But because it's so simple as an effect... The foam is such a nice touch because
0: it has the practical use of hiding the shortcomings of the actual props and also it makes the effect feel more tactile exactly, when, you're, when yes. you're watching it. Even though it's an image that you're just watching on a screen, you know what that would like feel like if you were to touch it. Uh, it's like why in, in The Thing they cover everything in slime. Why that's such a big horror thing is, is making things oh, slimy. To yeah. you get a
1: horror puppet, you gotta put some slime on it.
0: Absolutely. Like that's, that's
1: just that's common knowledge.
0: The choice to go with like foamy bubbles Instead of yeah. instead of slime, which would have been, I think, the go-to, really nice touch. I oh. like it. I and like it.
1: Another plus when it comes to the pods themselves, which also alternate idea for a name for the podcast. Um, the pods themselves. <laughs> I would love to know what color the pods actually were. Because it, they really do feel like vibrantly like green.
0: They do feel green, and, don't and they? Yeah. Like
1: there, there are some really cool tricks that they they played up around that era to paint things like odd colors to make them feel like something else in black and white. And I would kill to know what color those pods are actually. That's a
0: great point because it's something I don't think about when I'm watching the film, but they do distinctly look green, don't they? Mm-hmm, and yeah. it's black and white. That's such a great trick. It tricks your brain yeah. into thinking like. Like, I would not have thought about that at all if you hadn't brought it up.
1: Yeah, it's great point. It's the kind of shit that keeps me up at night Uh, (laughs) because I'm weird. But just to put a little cap on my, my complaint from the beginning about having to be more mysterious with the pods, I really do think just like my issue is just seeing them look so light. Um, and and artificial and if they just there'd been some fluid, it's or, the weight. They look. Yeah, I think they look some, good.
0: It's just the lack of weight that makes mm, them feel like a problem. Yeah, because I whenever
1: people you. like pick them up or whatever, like there's no movement or anything. They just feel very like it, uh, it,
0: it's like they're holding a balloon or a foam yeah, toy. It's, yeah, yeah. they it doesn't feel like they're straining or like that. The pods have any kind of like movement of their own, like you said. Like, but I would imagine they'd complaint. be like fleshy. Yeah, I think they. I, I think the benefit is that they look good. If they looked bad and also didn't have any weight. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, one of the last things I want to talk about is how do you guys feel about Kevin McCarthy?
1: The lead? Yes, who plays Miles. I think that he sounds great when he's not talking, he looks great. Um. Uh, I had why a problem. Don't,
0: why don't you think he looks
1: good when he's talking, Cleveland? Oh, you know, because uh, I brought it up at the beginning of the film and cursed all of you. Uh, again, my apologies on that. I think he does a, a bang up job, frankly. But there is a weird thing I noticed. Whenever he talks, his upper lip doesn't move. And it
2: just... It got me throughout it, the rest of the film. It kind of looks like Peter Fonda with a splash of Bell's palsy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yikes!
1: <laughs> you know, just <laughs> I, some I disagree, of that but yikes. Slight
2: facial paralysis, particularly yeah. in his upper lip. Yeah, just it's, the
1: upper lip. Like he, 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 the rest of his face is quite emotive. Um, but yeah, just he keeps his like his mouth over his teeth, and I I don't know why, and it just it, I I couldn't not notice it after I saw it. So, sorry for cursing all I know, of you, you but did. It, it and again that that is not even an actual
2: complaint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should say Henry Fonda more than Peter Fonda. Okay, no, he yeah, has yeah, that yeah. very old school look, which I think works well, and I think he's fairly expressive in this yeah. role. Yeah, um, to oh, the, especially at the beginning of the end. Like um, you, I think he's pretty good.
0: Most most of my problems with him as a character more just come from how he's written less than the yeah 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 uh i and and i think he's overall written pretty well just I, just I think, a little bit of the the misogyny i could do without oh
1: god yeah always my last note is uh similar but it's not just limited to him there are several moments where the collective protagonists make some extremely poor decisions and it kind of had me shouting at the screen a little bit. I mean, it's the 50s, and, you know, I'm I'm willing to forgive a lot, Uh, but when you have your four friends who you've verified are not pod people because the pod people of them are growing in front of you. right. Kill the pods in front of you. And Which that's fine do. if they don't.
0: Yeah. And, and, and no, they, they do kill the pods.
1: That's right. The protagonist, like, doesn't want to kill the one that looks like his wife at first, but then does anyway.
0: Yeah. His girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, that's right. That's just a big point. But, uh, she's just come back when, from London. When you have a small collective, there, when you're, there are four of you, and all four of you know at that moment you're not pod people. Don't why would don't you ever? Up. Why would you ever let them out of your sight? Right. Why would you do that? That's that's really dumb. Well, yeah, because the next like thing. that is idiocy. Like, like, oh, get to the next town. You do not know if the next town is safe or not. And it's like, oh, well, well if we can't go, who's going to go? I don't know. All of you go. Go together. Because yeah. like, what are you doing? Because the next there, time, there is an answer to this. Because after that, the next
0: time we see King Donovan, he is a pod person.
1: Right. And of course, like that serves the plot. Right, you have like, to get. You him. need to have he the friend who becomes that, and like for the horrors, for horrors' sake, Kevin
0: McCarthy needs to but, be the last
1: man. But like, can't you have like the the pod people split them up or something? Like, I just I I it, didn't like tricky, that they split you know,
2: up because like because of like a dumb you decision. You want to have the characters try to contact the authorities as well to try to get. A sense of the scope and to like try right. to, Which, to show that they're heroic and trying to stop it, not just run away from it. Yes. Right, and they and they do. I think they yeah, do that yeah, well. yeah. But oh, yeah, it, with phone it's, call. it's it's that balancing ground between keeping that and not doing the dumb decision of right. splitting up. You know, well, I, right. That's I the thing that,
1: the so the trying, car can fit four people. There's really no reason. Trying
0: to contact the authorities. Good decision makes sense. Splitting up bad
1: decision doesn't make sense. And, like, the problem is, is it's our protagonist's final choice. It's not the writer friend. You know, it's not him saying, like, oh, fuck all this. Me and my wife are out of here. And then the protagonist being like, wait, no, we shouldn't split up because that's dumb. Yeah, and no, th- we don't get that. To, yeah, he tells them to our leave. Our hero yeah. makes the dumb decision. Like, the writer friend could have done it, and I wouldn't have had anywhere near as much of a problem. Yeah, Because then it's like, cool, he deserves to become a doppelganger. Well, I think there I mean, are plenty of solutions it for a, it, but it it's is, a small
2: thing. It's a selfless act. It may be a stupid act, but it does make the, the the lead character seem a little more heroic. Just in that, that, you know, like... He still has work to do, but yeah, he yeah. wants to get his friends out yeah, safe. Yeah. And like, plays you into go, that doctor meet up with you. I have, to, I have to go you know, deep it plays, sometimes. I have to be hero man. Into that right. doctor role as well, because he feels like he needs to... Fix the issues, you know. In spite of himself, it's very selfless. I feel that, but but I I do think it is a dumb decision. It's, cla- yeah. it's <laughs> classic. It classic.
0: It's classic horror movie stupid decision. Yeah, yeah and,
1: and you know it's, it's the fifties. It's long before like splitting up bad was a trope. But uh, I mean, survivalistically, like that's all way like in hu- throughout human history, that's been a trope. <laughs> you know, like that's been a bad idea.
0: The last thing I want to talk about is the ending. I want to speculate on what kind of effect it had in the the 50s when people went and saw this in the theaters. So the the film ends with... Our protagonist running uh, on the highway, trying to stop people on the road. He's just seen a truck full of the pods leaving, and he's and he's screaming, "You're in danger! You're in danger!" And then he looks right into the camera and yells, "They're already here! You're next!" <laughs> Which, in hindsight, very campy, very fun. I love it. It's a great touch. Yeah. But I bet there were some people in 1956 who walked out of this movie after that and were like, oh my god.
2: Yeah, just scared of shit. Just scared of know? shit like
0: going home, like giving their their husband the side eye on the way home like Oh, well, I mean, I mean
1: we're talking about the same like era where like Orson Welles did the the War of the Worlds like uh radio show and people threw <laughs> themselves out of fucking windows. So,
0: nah, nah. fun fact that story Probably. is highly exaggerated. Yeah. There's a great radio lab episode about it where oh, they get into yeah. numbers and specific
1: stuff. Did anyone throw I, all I need is like two people to throw themselves no, out of a window for no, that for no, that point. To Stand.
0: no confirmed suicide really
1: yeah. oh well thank you for correcting um, me on that feel free to leave that in
0: it's a uh, yeah, it's a common thing I would say go listen to the Radiolab episode if you're curious yeah, it's, just it's interesting shout out to Radiolab um, but I, I just think that Ending this movie like that in the time like in when the Cold War is like really ramping up and people are already scared of like communist sleeper cells to directly address the audience and your protagonist saying, They're already here, you're, you're next. You're next. I bet there were for sure some middle aged fifties ass housewives mm-hmm. who uh went home and laid directly on their fainting couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Why?
0: <laughs> 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 I bet It's
2: it, accurate. I, I definitely can see it. I bet
0: it rustled some jimmies. I bet it. I, I bet <laughs> jimmies were sufficiently rusted. I bet people were walking around, giving their neighbors the side <laughs> eye. You know, being a little bit more mistrustful. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I the rubes, of course.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, it's a very uh, Orwellian concept. Like, uh, you yeah, know, 1984 great. has that same that same like play at paranoia with like the kids turning in their families and stuff. Tried, Spooky shit, man. Tried and true themes. Mm -hmm. they endure throughout time one important note is uh the score is excellent but i just absolutely have to mention that the composer's name is get this carmen dragon carmen dragon carmen dragon oh man yeah that was so
0: good (laughs) that's a great name (laughs) holy shit Carmen Dragon did a bang-up job. Yeah,
1: good good job, Carmen Dragon. Thank you. We'll, we'll never forget. With You're the
2: last name Dragon, you can't you can do any bad yeah. first name. Yeah. yeah. That's
1: a powerful name. If your last name is Dragon,
0: you can do anything you want in life. Yeah, straight up. I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's
2: go ahead and rate. Uh, ben, why don't you start? Sure. Well, not to sound like a heretic on a show called Pod People, I love this movie. I think it's great. I don't think it's a five-star for me, unfortunately, um, but it is a solid four-star movie. I think conceptually, it's a five-star. Execution-wise, it might not get to those highs, but it's still an excellent watch, and I think it's required viewing for horror fans.
1: Largely, ditto on that. I, you know, just had a couple of complaints, but they're they're all minor and largely can be justified, uh, and are, are more personal preferences than anything else. But it's my personal rating. I'm going to give it a four point five. First off, uh just for for posterity, you know. No, just also like I I lo- I love classic horror. You know, it's what I grew up on. It's uh, a film I had always needed to see, and now I know why.
0: Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite uh, horror films of, of the time. Uh, I think it's still pretty relevant today. There are definitely things about it that are uh, campy just because the 50s were kind of inherently b- campy. Half the
1: things that are campy are fun, uh, yeah, and that's, I that's agree. again, a saving no, grace. No,
0: I, I agree. I enjoy this film a lot. It definitely has uh, a small handful of problems Uh, I don't think it's a perfect film, but it's, it's a great film from the fifties and, um, yeah, just a a solid watch all around. And if you're a fan of classic horror, I agree. I think it's a must watch. Uh, it's going to be a four for me as well, which will give us an average of 4.2 out of five pods for invasion of the body snatchers, 1956. And, uh, I think I saw on the sponsor shelf... Oh, fuck. I mean, that, yeah, of course. Yeah, Don't swear at the sponsor shelf, Cleef. I wouldn't dream yeah. of it. Uh, I've already seen what
2: happens.
0: I saw that we, uh, in honor of this film, we got a special uh, 1950s-themed sponsor we uh,
1: oh b- boy how do you didn't we just here's the coffee clean one. Oh, why don't you read this for us thank you yeah of course our our 1950s uh themed uh, uh sponsor um the oscilloscopes, the oscillanopes. Uh, they, they, sure, the BCs, they work out the, the heart disease. One time I was watching Brian of Frankenstein, and I started to smell burning toast,
0: and I quickly put on my oscilloscopes, oscillanopes, and
2: stroke that stroke. Right on! <laughs> right out of town! Thanks, Oscillostrokes! It does
1: say that, uh, Oscilloscopes, Oscillanopes, are, uh, built, or are, uh, hand woven out of the finest asbestos. Uh, so, you know, it, Yeah, so you know they're so effective. Uh, yeah. That's heavy
0: duty stuff. Yeah. Well, wow, what a fantastic sponsor. I am seeing now, looking at the copy, that they are uh, only paying us uh, what they would pay in the 50s. So I'm afraid that we're only making about $17 off of this total
1: are we are we getting like a percentage of sales or anything no that's
2: it just no. 17
0: they don't they don't sell these anymore cleveland they went out of business in 1963 hey well maybe they make some collectible items to ebay <laughs> yeah let's let us go all right well that'll bring us to the end of this episode next week the body snatching continues And we'll be talking about the first remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's right. We're going to watch Snatch
1: by Guy Ritchie.
0: That's right. That is the (laughs) first one. We'll be watching and discussing Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1979. Uh, I'm very excited for this one. Me too. I love this movie. So check back with us next week if you want to join in on the spooky fun. But until then, uh, it would be a fantastic birthday present to us if you Went on down to Apple Podcasts and left us a five star rating and a nice review. And wish us a happy birthday and tell us why you like the show and what movies do you want us to talk about? Hit us up on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and you can tweet directly at us. Uh, you can also follow us on Letterboxd at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod for a list of all the films we've talked about on the show. With our average ratings and links to those reviews, uh, check out our birthday episode from last year if you haven't listened to it. As Ben mentioned earlier, uh, we were talking the thing, and it was a good time. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Mister Van Awesome.
1: I'm at Mister Sheets on Twitter. And I'm occasionally tweeting for LightArk Studio as we continue to develop our wonderful, wonderful horror indie game, It Stares Back. Check it out! Get it in early access! Uh, It's there on Steam. You know what to do. Only $6 for now.
0: Well, thank you as always for listening. Check back next week. The Invading continues. But until next time, I'm gonna go drift off to sleep and maybe awaken in a fresh body.
2: I'm going to get back into my pod.
1: Dream a little dream.